Hi, this is Troy Hedspeth, music director at Spring Branch Community Church. Due to technical difficulties, we were unable to record Michael Simone's message on January 18th, 2015. So, he came into the studio to preach his sermon one more time. From the series entitled Baggage, here is Michael Simone with Never Go Back, Part 1. I have this great security system with Coastal Security. I can do just about anything from my phone, except put a Jimmy Dean sausage biscuit in the microwave. The Coastal people are very patient with me because I usually set the alarm off about once a month. Okay, maybe once a week. And they always forgive me and pray I'll never do it again, and then I do it again. Anyway, what's the point of this story? Oh yeah, when I was in Jerusalem, they called me to tell me the garage door was open and the alarm was going off. I'm in Israel. I was just falling asleep. I'm kind of half there to dreamland. They can't reach Gail, so they've successfully reached me 5,000 miles away. I appreciate the effort. Here's the question. Do I want them to dispatch the police? This sounds a little drastic to me, so I say no and go back to bed. In the back of my mind, I know Gail's sister is coming to stay with her for a few days, and I figure it's her trying to get into the house. Fast forward a week. I'm home. We're getting something to eat. Now, if you're married or have been married, you know this scene. It starts out like a normal dinner. And then you feel like a spotlight has been turned on and you're being asked some very pointed questions. You feel like you need to call an attorney. You start to pray for a helo evac through the roof of the restaurant. Why did you say not to dispatch the police, she says? What if someone broke into the house and I was in danger? I knew it was your sister, I respond. How could you know you were in Jerusalem? I knew because you told me she was coming. But I could have been in danger. You also know if you're married that you can't win this one. From now on, Coastal Security knows not to believe me if I'm out of the country. It's called the Simone Baggage Protection Protocol because I don't need any more baggage than I already have. Here's the lesson from this parable of my life. You can have a wonderful security system, but if you don't use it properly, you're not going to be very secure. God gave us a wonderful life, but we have to use it properly or it's not going to be very secure. Let's talk about that. Here's Jesus on Never Go Back. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. This passage from Matthew chapter 8 says something very significant. There's a tension here. It's not that Jesus doesn't care about family. It's not that Jesus doesn't care about who we are and what we're doing with our lives. It's that, that there's this tension between our agenda and his agenda. And his agenda is always the more important agenda to follow. Never go back is all about following his agenda, but doing that with wisdom and grace. Let me take you to one of the most famous passages of the New Testament. It's been taught over and over and over again in my life, and I found that in the message translation, some points are driven home. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you 
take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. So what Paul is writing about is his agenda, God's agenda, is so much more important than our agenda. And there must be wisdom in the application of God's agenda to our lives. That's what the book Never Go Back is all about. Henry Cloud wrote about 10 things you'll never do again. And he set it all down on a foundation of this thought. As I said in my book, Necessary Endings, Hope without realistic reasons to believe is, is not hope at all. It is only a wish. God gives us a solid way to tell the difference between a hope and a wish. It is called fruit. When a tree gets healthy, you can see the blossoms and the fruit that prove it has life in it. When a person or situation has truly changed and is worthy of our investment, we will be able to see tangible reasons to believe. And so wisdom sees fruit, fruit in, in people's lives and fruit in situations. Whenever there is fruit, you know that the right things are beginning to happen whenever there is good fruit. And whenever there isn't fruit or there is not good fruit, you should pause and think about what's going on in your relational life or in, in your workplace. He lays down some basic principles. He writes, there are certain awakenings that people have in life and in business that once they have them, they never go back to the old way of doing things. And when that happens, they are never the same. In short, they got it. Cloud says there are two questions he's trying to answer in this book. What are some of the key awakenings that successful people experience? How do we implement in life what we intellectually understand? In other words, you can know something but not really get it into your life. That's where wisdom comes into play. Having God's wisdom to get his agenda, his agenda into our lives is what living life is all about. It's what bringing faith and life together is all about. Let's start with five things that Cloud talks about in terms of never going back. First, never go back to what hasn't worked. He, he writes, often when we want something back that we had rationally decided we didn't want, the something we want is not really the something we left. It is 
an idealized version of the thing or person we want. It is not reality. He has a friend, and he said this to her. I know, but when you describe him, you describe him as if those things were the total picture of who he is and what being in a relationship with him is like. His friend wants to go back to a relationship because she thinks she can find what she wants when she has never found it before. In truth, the person you are missing is not the person he was, Cloud writes. You're missing the parts of him that don't exist without the other parts. If you're going to miss him, ask yourself if you miss the connection, the wit, the brains, the creativity, the fun, and the self-centeredness that would ignore you for days on end, the non-responsiveness, the accusations of your being too needy if you wanted him to show up, the accusations of your being controlling and smothering if you wanted him not to go out most nights with his friends and leave you alone, and the anger. If you are really going to ask yourself if you miss him, ask yourself about the real him, not a fantasy version of him that doesn't exist. There are three key questions that you need to ask before you ever decide to go back. And if you don't have the right answers, then going back will never work. The first question is this. Am I different in some way that would make this work? Is the other person or persons different in some way? Is the situation fundamentally different in some way? In all of these questions, the underlying question has to be, where is the fruit? Where's the fruit in my life? Where's the fruit in the other person's life? Where's the fruit in the situation? The company has new ownership. The market is different. The leadership has changed. Different people are involved. Always looking for fruit or tangible evidence of change. So you will be going forward and not backward in your life. In Numbers chapter 14, we see this played out. The whole community was in an uproar, wailing all night long. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The entire community was in on it. Why didn't we die in Egypt or in this wilderness? Why has God brought us to this country to kill us? Our wives and children are about to become plunder. Why don't we just head back to Egypt and right now? They wanted to go back, but there was no fruit. There was no change. There was no difference. So going back would put themselves back into a futile situation. That's why you can never go back to what hasn't worked. Secondly, never go back to doing something that requires you to be someone else. There's some understandings that we have to have about this because it's a multi-layered issue when you talk about who you are and who you're not. Henry Cloud unpacks this. When not being me is a good thing. I'm not saying that we should never do things that are not me. Sometimes that's actually the responsible thing to do, like taking a job that is not who you are in order to support your family or to pay for an education or an illness. But notice something about that. Even though you may have to do something that is not fully you, you do it for a reason that truly is you. I'm not saying never do something that is not you. Second, I'm not saying that we never do things we're not cut out for or don't like. Again, life is about sacrifice. Contrary to popular belief, we are not entitled to always like everything we do. Working in a job you hate in order to pay for your child's education is sometimes the right thing to do, as is working to support a family. We might go through seasons of life when nothing feels like me, 
but for whatever reason, not doing what we want is required. Sacrificing our own benefit for that of another is a backbone of both character and love. I'm not saying no relationship should require you to set aside part of you. Third, in relationships, we often have to put parts of ourselves in storage for a season. We can't always be all of ourselves in all relationships or all settings. Making any relationship work requires sacrifice of our rights, freedoms, preferences, and desires for the sake of the relationship. Never go back to doing something that requires you to be someone else. Always answers these good questions. Why am I doing this? Is this something God equipped me to do? Is it a sacrifice I am supposed to make? Am I suited for it? Does it fit me? Is it sustainable? Third, never go back to thinking you can change someone. In his book, he writes about Alex and Ron. Ron is the father. Alex is the son. And Ron is the CEO of a company, and he wants Alex to to take over for him someday. But Alex is not really able to do that, and he, he is rustling through all these potential changes but never really getting there. He tells the story of Stephanie and Kyle. Stephanie really wants this relationship with Kyle to work, but Kyle is constantly pushing her off, pushing her off, pushing her off. Cloud puts it this way. So the principle here is not that we should be passive or hands-off when it comes to relationships. Influencing each other for good is not the issue. The issue is that we must respect the freedom of others to make their own choices. If we do not respect that freedom, we will do two things. First, we will nag or otherwise try to control them, and they will begin to resent us. Second, we will continually frustrate ourselves as we demand that someone be or do what we wish for them when they do not want to. When they resist, we will end up being angry, shaming, guilt-inducing, or resentful, or all of the above. This path destroys love. He says consequences are about giving the person freedom to choose what they will choose and then choosing what our response will be in light of their choice. Setting consequences in place gives the person a clear choice and sets them free to make it. A place in scripture where you see this clearly is Joshua 24:15. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And we often remember the last part of that verse, but as me and my household, we will serve the Lord. But the beginning part of that scripture shows Joshua giving everybody a choice so that they will take ownership of the consequences of their future. In the scripture, Joshua clearly states what he wants to do and the choice that others are free to make. He preserves their freedom of choice. Let's look at this with Ron and Alex. Alex, if leading this company with full engagement and total commitment seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day what you would like to do with your life. As for me, I choose to invest myself fully here. Let's look at it with Stephanie and Kyle. Kyle? If putting a relationship above your friends and hobbies seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself the kind of relationship you would like to have. As for me, I choose to be with someone 
who wants his relationship with me to be a top priority. The fourth never go back principle is never go back to trying to please other people. Never believe that you can please everyone. Let's look at something that Henry Cloud wrote in the book on page 67. Successful people eventually go through a doorway that is essential to making their personal lives as well as their professional lives work. They realize that they do not have to please everyone or have everyone like them. In fact, part of what fuels that that realization is the bigger realization that not only do we not have to please everyone, we can't. Even if we wanted to, it is impossible. The reality is that everyone likes something different, has different agendas, tastes, interests, beliefs, and experiences. It is literally impossible to make everyone happy, even within your closest circle of friends. You are going to like and choose some things that some people won't like or choose. That is reality. Basically, the only way to avoid upsetting anyone is to believe, say, or do nothing at all. Not a good option. Once you realize that and really, really get it, something happens. You give up what is impossible and begin to focus on what is good. He quotes Tony Blair. I once heard Tony Blair say that when you realize that every decision divides, it really helps. It is just part of life. When you turn to the right, there will be some who want you to go to the left and vice versa. It is the nature of making choices. When we accept that every decision divides, we quit trying to do the impossible. Pleasing everyone is the impossible. And we begin making the right choices, knowing that our choices will divide. Never go back to trying to please other people. Never believe that you can please everyone. The baseline here is that there is a God factor in all of this. Since we will ultimately answer to God for our decisions, it behooves us to remember that he is the one we need to please. If pleasing God is our compass, our path will be much clearer, Henry says. Fifth, the fifth never-go-back principle. Never go back to avoiding short-term pain when it leads to long-term benefits, or never again choose short-term comfort over long-term benefit. Cloud writes, here is the truth. Once successful people know they want something that requires a painful, time-limited step, they do not mind the painful step because it gets them to a long-term benefit. That was the only difference in the ones who got there and the ones who didn't. In Hebrews chapter 12, this principle is grounded in Scripture. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet. And that principle about no discipline seems pleasant at any time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness, works every single time, in our lives. Never again choose short-term comfort over long-term benefit. Maybe there's a place in your life right now where you're avoiding some short-term discomfort because you think that that by avoiding it, you're going to end up in an okay place. You're not going to end up in an okay place. There's a way for you to embrace what is uncomfortable so that you get to a better place, so you get to the place that God really wants you to be. 
Five, never go back principles. Never go back to what hasn't worked. Never go back to doing something that requires you to be someone else. Never go back to thinking you can change someone. Never go back to believing that you can please everyone. Never go back to avoiding short-term pain when it leads to long-term benefits. You see, you can have a wonderful security system, but if you don't use it properly, you're not going to be very secure. God gave us a wonderful life, but we have to use it properly or it's not going to be very secure. Wisdom applied to life, bringing faith and life together, will give you the life that God wants for you and the life you've always wanted. A letter was written to you, and here it is. You come in all shapes and sizes, in all colors and races, yet you all reflect a little bit of the perfection your ancestors lost at the beginning of time. As the lullaby goes, when the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. It broke my heart when you fell, but I was willing to have my heart break for the hope of having you come home one day. You major in seeing life's illusions, and so life trickles through your fingers. At the time when you need desperately to know love, you allow yourselves to be manipulated by false narratives. At the time when you hunger to be known, you sneak into the shadows of going back into relationships that aren't working. You think if you try harder, pray harder, you'll get there. Life doesn't work like that. When you most need to experience grace, you double your efforts at work and bury yourself in make-it-or-break-it deals as if the adrenaline rush you get will be enough of a euphoric escape to let you rise to another dawn. And when the next beeping alarm calls, you hit snooze and turn over wishing you could vanish into thin air if only for 24 hours. But it doesn't end. A parade of days rush you through a maze of fears. You slash through the jungle of accusations that make up the sum total of going nowhere faster than you want to go. You cannot win the game of stress and sweat. Only I can give you the relationship you cry at night for. Imagine fewer arguments, more embraces. Imagine giving those around you the gift of a genuine smile more often. Imagine what it would be like to wake up and know every hour can be full of meaning and purpose. Time to stop going back. It's time to stop relating to each other as if you were strangers in a foreign land speaking different languages. Time to stop going back to what doesn't help. This is what I said a long time ago. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before me as an offering. Give your heart to me. Don't be the great somebody who ends up being nobody to anybody. It's time to stop going back. God. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to bring wisdom to the demands of our lives today and always. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.